genre. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie with two towers, another re-recorded minute at a time. Yay. I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And technology is a butthead. Sometimes. Sometimes. And today we're talking about minute 49, which starts with Frodo finishing his line from yesterday as he is woken by Gollum. He says, what did you say? And ends with uh, Frodo and Gollum. Looking at each other. Very intently. Very intent. very intently. Although, no, Gollum's not really looking at Frodo. Gollum is lost. Staring off into the ether. It's like looking down I in, think into the abyss. I feel like he is reviewing the past 500 years of his life. <laughs> Just like in hyperspeed. Right. So I mentioned yesterday, you know, we, we call him Smeagol this week. It happens today. We finally, 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 <laughs> almost Frodo, an hour into the movie, <laughs> almost an hour into the movie. And Frodo calls Gollum his his name, Smeagol. Oh, man. And that's when Gollum looks like he's staring into the abyss within his own soul for a moment. Yeah. So the the poem that Gollum is saying when he's trying to avoid answering Frodo is the poem from the Barrow Downs mm-hmm. in the book. Well, before even before that, when he says Master should be resting, Master needs to keep up his strength. The way he says keep up his strength sounds like a threat. Yeah. It's just like, I know you think I'm going to choke you to death in your sleep. Well, not even that I know you think this, like you should be thinking this, kind of, to me. Maybe. I don't know. Like, to me, it sounds more like... He's trying to, like, play into Frodo's paranoia. He knows that Frodo's going to make a mistake the more paranoid he is. Intimidate him. Right. He's trying to... He's throwing him off his game. Well... It's a verbal... Like, it's described as, like, a verbal game of chess in the commentary. Right. They're kind of... They're kind of feeling each other out across this conversation because they both know things about the other that maybe they don't realize the other person knows. Right. I don't remember if we talked about it and it got lost or this is the thing that made it in but we are talking a little bit at one point about frodo's paranoia and the lens that we see it in yeah do you remember that vaguely i don't remember when that was i think we may have or if it was on or off mic at this point if it was on or off mic if it was for something that we recorded that's going to go out after this i don't know anymore (laughs) That could be something that we recorded that's going out after this. I don't, I don't remember. Maybe it happened before this. Um, but anyway, so do you think the way that Gollum delivers those lines is through Frodo's point of view in the paranoia state? Because he is, he just, you know, got spooked by Gollum saying creepy things. I think we did that last, I think we talked about it last week. Maybe. I think it was last week. I remember editing it. I'm glad I rem- somebody knows. I remember listening to it recently. Like not I know s- we talked about it. I know we talked about it. In some capacity with mics in front of our face. Yes. I just don't remember if we were recording at the time. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think probably. I-, I think that some of that is there. It's again like it's it's kinda hard to say. It could be through like that lens of paranoia, 
Or, I mean, where it's such an important scene for, like, Gollum's character, maybe this is just how it really is. Mm. So you kind of you kind of have both those forces at play. Well, I mean, because it's b- before Frodo really starts to engage with him. Like, he says, what did you say? But that kind of, like, wakes him out of it. We did talk about it last week because we talked about it with him slapping Gollum's hand away. Oh, right, 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 right. That's what it was. Right. I got it. Good job. I knew we'd get there eventually. Just like Frodo and Sam. Just like Frodo and Sam. <laughs> but it's it's like before he starts a- asking the the questions that he starts asking. Like, who are you? And like, you know, you are not so different from a hobbit once. Right. And Gollum's just like, go away. We had paranoid Frodo and now we have like super paranoid Gollum. Or at least like really... He's dismissive, man. He, d- he doesn't want this... this... He d- this not little dis- guy even digging through it's... his past. You want someone digging through your past? I don't want someone digging through my past. What do you got? I don't know. I don't know. Everybody's got something. <laughs> I guess. Don't need people digging around in your history. That makes me nervous. <laughs> Should I hire a private investigator now? I don't know. Probably not. Should You're I fine. have? <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> We're fine. We're all good here. How are you? Um... I think I quote that more than any other line from any movie ever. Yeah. And like not a whole lot of people get it. It makes me sad. It's like a secret Star Wars quote. What is your like... Anyway, I'll ask that later. What, my secret Lord of the Rings quote? Yeah. I don't know if I have one. Most people tend to recognize him pretty quickly. Although I I think the other day I said a relic of a bygone age and no one got it. (laughs) (laughs) It made me a little sad. I was looking at an Apple II computer. Hmm. Wow, yeah, that is that is a relic of a bygone age. You know. Eh. So this is this is the moment where where Gollum and Smeagol like truly start to separate. Yeah. He's being named. He's like he's being given his name back. It's a very It's an interesting moment because like it reawaken it brings Smeagol more to the forefront in like the relationship with Gollum, but it also is like a really interesting way to illustrate like the power dynamic that Frodo is developing. In what way? With Gollum and with with Gollum, because by naming him Smeagol, by like giving him back his name that's like been lost, mm-hmm. he 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 like reinforces the power he has over Sme- over Gollum and Smeagol in their bargain. It's like. Him naming him is him, like, affirming that control. Because from this point forward, like, Smeagol inherently trusts Frodo. He goes out of his way to, like, make sure that Frodo and Sam are all right. He's much happier and pleasant about it after this. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's it's an interesting step in, like, their power dynamic. Because Frodo doesn't, especially in this moment, Frodo doesn't seem to rename him as Smeagol from a place of, like, empathy. It's from a place of power. And like almost malice, like the yeah. way he says it. Because he keeps prodding and prodding and Gollum keeps resisting. He's like, I know who you used to be. Yeah. It's a it's an interesting moment in that regard. Because mm-hmm. this, this whole conversation is about the shifting the power away from like Gollum being necessary to guide them through the dead marshes to like Frodo being in control, at least until the end of the movie. Right. So do you think that if 
Faramir hadn't gone and messed everything up uh, by punching Gollum a lot, um, right? Would that power dynamic still have held? Maybe until they actually started climbing the stair into Kirithungal, because Gollum probably still would have like fought to keep the knowledge of Shelob or, or Shelob separate. But in the context of the movie. And I don't remember if this holds true in the book or not. But, like, in the context of the movie, Gollum regains control. Because he convinces because Frodo that Faramir's mistreatment was a betrayal. on. He convinces Smeagol that Faramir's mistreatment was a betrayal on right. Frodo's part. Like, Gollum is his trauma personality. So, like, right. being beat up. Which is so sad. I hate watching that. I hate watching yeah. Sam choke him. I hate... But, Watching Faramir punch him. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say, like, Gollum is his, his trauma personality. So, like, being going through another traumatic event, like, he Smeagol withdraws and lets Gollum take over again. And Gollum is the one that suggests, like, well, you know, we, we yeah. could have her do it. You know, she could yeah. do it. So I think if you were to like replot this the the narrative of the adaptation here, you would st- you could still have that that shift from Smeagol back to Gollum, mm-hmm. but it would be after Gollum sees uh, Frodo and he thinks he's dead, and then he retreats out into the lair and waits, and then tries to get him after he get the ring from Sam after he thinks Frodo is dead. But the, like, that's how you would kind of replot that, because then it's just like, well, I'm going to go claim the ring now. The only reason that he goes to that pass, though, Kirithungal, is because... It's the only other way he knows to get in. Oh, that's true. Like, they mm-hmm. were going there. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, okay. I guess. Like, they were going there anyway. The, the fight with the big spider was going to happen whether or not you wanted to, like change this into like redeeming Gollum or if you were gonna save it until after like Gollum thinks Frodo is killed by the big spider mm-hmm. and then he tries to get the ring from Sam like that that's a way I could have seen the the plot in the movie going like that takes some tension out of the end of this movie if you do that because you don't have the looming betrayal of Gollum like as the cliffhanger to kind of like keep you interested in going forward but then I feel like there's not enough momentum going forward into the third movie without mm. that dramatic irony that like sense of impending doom right that we have but the characters do not you know yeah i, I do think that that's really important because yeah the, this movie ends with like a shot of Gollum being mischievous yeah it's like one of the last things you see and it's interesting in the context of like a trilogy because typically the trilogy is like it ends on a like a low note sort of right but this movie kind of does the last shot is very bleak um right but like the the overall narrative of this movie ends on a relatively high note right because they win the battle spoilers and (laughs) you know frodo and sam and Gollum are on their way again yeah so things are moving but i think really the only thing because we have like fatigue from the battle but it, yeah. it went well, and, like, the Ents, you know, pull everything off, and Merry and Pippin are in a good place, and the trio are still alive. But the only thing that we're not sure about 
at least people who haven't read the books who are sitting in the theater waiting for a giant spider fight to happen at the end of the story. I was so <laughs> mad. I was so mad. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, the only thing that we're not sure about is our main character. Like, what is going to happen to the main character? Which yeah. I like because it forces our focus all back onto Frodo. And with the end of Fellowship, that's kind of flipped. Like, we, like, Merry and Pippin, we don't know what happened, what's going to happen to Merry and Pippin. They were taken. We don't really know what happens to Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli as they go to hunt them. But Frodo and Sam are together. And, and they're they on the end, path. Yeah, and they end on a kind of high note. Yeah. Like, they're together. Frodo saved, saved Sam's life. And they're like, they're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Just two strapping young hobbits against the world. Yeah. Like, and it, it's in, it's kind of like, it's a bit of an inspiring moment. Yeah. Like, it, it's cool. With the, you know, the Shire theme. And, right. The um, most inspiring thing about the end of this movie is, is Sam's mission statement. Oh, my God. It makes me cry. Across, like, you know, with all this bleak stuff happening. Yeah. Naturally. Naturally. As you do. I've never really thought about it, though, like that. Like, the inverse of our characters like right and then you know from the end of fellowship to the end of two towers and then you know endless jokes about how return of the king can't decide where to end i will reserve judgment when we are getting there yeah honestly i think by that point i'll be so happy (laughs) that we're done that i don't i like i'll just be like yay it's almost over (laughs) yeah but it's gonna fake you out like but you know but i know it's it's not like i i do you remember being in the theater did, well, oh, no, you didn't I see don't. the theater. That's right. <laughs> I remember being in the theater, and like it fades to black, and a handful of people like start to stand up, and then it fades right back in. That's so funny. And then it faded to black, and those same people went to stand back up, That's and it faded back incredible. in. Incredible! Like, oh my god, do you think that he did that on purpose just to be like, "Ha, punked you"? <laughs> like, I wouldn't even been mad if the movie ended with like, you know. Any of those? With anything, like the fade to black, like when you think the Frodo and Sam might die. I would have been fine. I would have been like, that's a brave choice, Peter Jackson. There you go. I would have, I, okay. It would have been a brave choice, but I don't feel it would have been the wisest of choices. I mean, I remember when I first saw it, I was just like. brave and also not wise, hence Gryffindor House. Um, Zing. Um, Griffin Claws, those are the wise ones. Yeah, those are the smart ones. (laughs) They're the best of us. (laughs) But... Do you remember what it's like in the theater? Well, no. No, I do not. That's right. You didn't see them. Uh, I don't... I just remember seeing people start to stand up when That's the first so fade to black. Funny. And then it's just like, really? That's really funny. They thought that, that it ended with the Eagles? <laughs> like, before the Eagles. Like, it starts to fade and people were just like, oh, the movie's over. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, it's like three and a half hours long. Yeah. I mean, without it, the director's cut. Yeah, it was um, a long movie. I don't blame them. We're in the age of, like, stupidly long movies now, so it's just like, all right, we've conditioned ourselves as a culture right. to sit through it longer, but I remember when that came out, everyone was just like, oh my god, it's the longest movie ever. And it's I'm the like, longest movie since Titanic. Yeah, that's true. But then I was just like, "Did you have you ever sat and watched through all of Gone with the Wind? Because I'm pretty sure that is longer. <laughs> yeah, was that like six and a half hours? No. That's like a miniseries at that point. Gone with the Wind is fairly lengthy yeah and that iconic line doesn't happen till the very end and well, of I was course not so angry that i had to watch that entire movie <laughs> extra credit yeah basically 
history class extra credit. Like this, this is one of the gala moments that we've kind of been waiting for in the movie. It's almost an hour in. Yeah. No, forty nine minutes. I was waiting for We Must Starve, so I'm good. <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna. Do. I'm just gonna be coasting downhill the rest of the movie. <laughs> just riding that for high. like two minutes or two hours. Well, actually, yeah. no, that's not. That's not true because I'm waiting for like the You're legit. You're gonna see coasting. David Wenham's beautiful eyes, and you're gonna be like, "Ah, oh, I'm back in this movie." Well, no, I was. I'm waiting for my favorite scene. The flashback. No, but yes, oh, yeah. I know. You know, shield I, I talk about it every week. Yeah, you should know by now. I know the shield surf. Okay, wait, no, I'm not gonna talk about it. All right, <laughs> all right, it's okay. We're gonna get to my favorite scene. We're gonna get to all, all kinds of all kinds of people's favorite scenes. I'm I'm really sad that we lost we lost our guest this week due I to know. technology. Sorry, Raiden. I know. I'm so sorry because you know the Nazgul. That's why you were here. We had fun. For that fell beast. Yeah, fell beastie. Yeah, I guess the big thing that happens is Frodo names Smeagol. It's the yeah, that's that's the big deal here is is Frodo naming Smeagol. It's it's the most important moment in the movie as far as their relationship goes, I think. Mm. And I do think it's interesting to look at it not as a positive thing, but as like a negative like a, a negative thing on Frodo's part. It's it's a play for power. Yeah, he's playing dirty. He is playing dirty. And Gollum doesn't want any of it. He's just like, no, don't do this to me. Do not do this to me. But as soon as he says the name Smeagol, like, I love the way that Gollum's eyes get brighter. Yeah. Like a like a literal fog is lifted from his mind. Mm. I've always thought that that's a really nice effect. And I think that this is probably the scene so far... And maybe for me, the scene in the whole movie where Gollum looks the best. Um. Well, we haven't had the argument scene yet, so. That's true. I mean, that has really similar lighting. Yeah. And I think that contributes. But like, because we see Gollum so close from behind in this moment, like in this minute, and it looks really, really good. That over the over the shoulder, like kind of close to Frodo, but you can still see pretty much all of Gollum. Mm-hmm. Those shots look really convincing like you're really looking past something or someone sitting there the the shadows and the texture like on the the hairs on the back of his neck and everything mm-hmm. are like they're they're so spot on it's like it just looks so good i guess i've never considered how this naming is a play for power but if you think about it i mean minute by minute like last minute we had Gollum making Frodo vulnerable by talking about, like, by literally saying what Frodo must be thinking about the ring. Right. And then And just a minute before that, he saved Frodo's life. Right. But, like, but him saving Frodo's life, I feel like they were on even ground again. Right. Because Frodo spared his life. Yeah. So he was, like, repaying the debt. And then he was kind of, like, digging in, like, I know what you're about. And then Frodo's just like, oh, really? And he kind of, like, turns it back over. So now we have Gollum at the end of this minute being vulnerable instead of Frodo. Right. Yeah, which is cool. I like the... It, it shows that, like, Frodo can have power because he hasn't really across this movie yet Mm -hmm. like he's our protagonist but he hasn't really shown a lot of like strength of person i disagree with that i disagree like because a lot of what we've seen of him so far is he's really struggling with the burden of the ring 
But this is like a moment where like he makes he makes this servant of the ring well, like his own. I mean, like Frodo's I I don't think I agree with that. Hmm. I feel like Frodo has been way more active in these than you're giving him credit for. I mean, maybe. I consider like the the swearing of fealty from Gollum. Frodo's not really in a place of power. He's kind of in a he's he's showing mercy. That automatically gives him leverage. Though. Right, but he's also like, he shows mercy maybe because, you know, Frodo's a compassionate guy, but also because he sees in Gollum a, a version of himself. But why? And that's giving power to Gollum, not power for yourself. Like, what, But why wouldn't having mercy and compassion be powerful? I think it's it's because of like what the source of that is. The source of that is because he sees what he could become in Gollum. And that is giving the power in that moment really to Gollum. I don't I don't think so. I think that it is even if he does recognize some of Gollum in himself, I feel like if if he were to um succumb completely to that I don't know, like baser nature, mm. I feel like he wouldn't have pitied Gollum or like I mean, been compassionate. This also goes back to like my thing of like in the context of the movie, Gollum seems like he's faking when he's being dragged around by that rope. And if he's faking, he duped Frodo. Dude, he's not faking um, almost breaking his neck. Right, but that's Sam. <laughs> but I think he's fra- he. I still think that in the context of the movie, he's but faking he the screaming. Frodo... And that's what triggers Frodo to like do that. Yeah. To be like, oh, I'm going to free him because obviously this hurts him. But okay, even if Frodo, even if Gollum was faking, don't you feel like Frodo would realize that? And even so, he still, like, wants to set him free. And that, I feel like, even in that context, I feel like that is more powerful than what you're giving him credit for. Well, I don't know. I, I because, feel like, like that the... moment is Gollum tricking Frodo. And I've, I've always taken it that way, and that's always the way it's felt like it was intended to be taken to me, is that Gollum is tricking Frodo to release him. Mm. And then this moment is like Frodo reigning Gollum in. Like he, he, from this point forward, Frodo is in charge of this power dynamic between the two. Is he, though? Because now he and Gollum relate on a level that, like, wasn't previous. So, like, if, like... If we go with my thing about Gollum not having any agency, Frodo is becoming more and more like Gollum. So in this, he is giving up some of that power because he's going to Gollum's level. I don't know. I guess I, I guess I kind of I disagree because from this point of the movie forward, like it's very clear that Smeagol like is subservient to Frodo. Like, Fro- Frodo has power over Smeagol, and Smeagol pushes Gollum away. Right, but that's Smeagol, not Frodo. But that's Frodo gaining power in this dynamic, in this relationship with Gollum. By sacrificing some of his, like, initial character. Well, by by doing what by he has to dirty. do. By playing dirty. Right, but by doing what he has to do, because this threatening creature is inside my mind. Right, but I feel like... Okay, so what do you... What do you mean by, like powerful it's him it's him actively doing something about his situation that changes 
what's going on directly. It directly changes what he's doing. And it's from a place of him actively making the choice to like do this and show Gollum that he is powerful, that he does have power over him in this moment. Like this is a display of power that takes control. I feel like we are coming at the notion of power from two very separate points Mm. which is understandable considering i'm coming at it from the perspective of being a woman and you're coming at it from the perspective of being a dude right and which doesn't invalidate your opinion but i feel like we like you have lemons and i have oranges right (laughs) well it's just from this point in the movie forward like smeagol is very subservient to frodo that's really what i'm getting at and, like, this moment is, like, yeah, the, the so way that like, this is said. Yeah, because you are thinking about power in, like, a very active masculine way. But, like, Frodo throughout this entire trilogy so far has been every single choice that he's made, he's made by himself. Hmm. Because, is, like, you know, in the Fellowship, he doesn't have to take the ring, but he chooses to. Right. And I, I, I don't discount that at all. Like, I think he's a much more active player in his own, like, destiny in fellowship than he is until this point in this movie. That's just kind of, that's kind of where I am. But cause earlier you were saying that up until this moment, he hasn't been right. But I'm talking about this movie. Okay. Like that's what I'm talking about. I have to clarify. I'm sorry. But like, I'm talking <laughs> about the movie because like in fellowship, he makes several, he makes several decisions about his own fate and like taking this journey into his own hands right? from a place of maybe not like, well, he's because we talked a lot about juxtaposing Frodo and Aragorn as both reluctant heroes. Right. And it's not from a place of like certainty that he will succeed, but certainty that like he must do this. That's different because like the idea like you're not brave if you it's not bravery if you know you're going to win. Right. That's just good odds. That's just good odds. You know, that's just playing your cards right. But like in this movie so far, like. Part of the whole narrative thread of this movie is about how Frodo is losing himself to the ring. Right. So he doesn't make as many choices that aren't directly influenced by it or manipulated by Gollum, which is an agent of the ring. Right. But, but this I, is a decision he makes apart from that influence. I don't think so. Because previously, like in the previous minute, Frodo is obsessed with the ring and that that is still clinging to him. And I feel like he lashes out at Gollum. Like he plays dirty. Like, he hits below the belt here because Gollum unsteadied him about the ring. And I feel like that influence of the ring is still influencing him, which in my mm. mind undermines this, this like, power dynamic mm. and muddies it. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. It's also, like, it's an interesting thing to think about in regards to that, though, in that by naming him, he he is breaking part of the influence of the ring on Gollum. He is, he is separating Gollum from Smeagol from some of the influence that the ring has had on him. Right. Because Smeagol is Gollum pre-ring. But at, like, what cost to himself? Right. And I mean, that's the question that we have, like, your kind of goes on with Frodo pretty much until the ring is destroyed. Because he names Smeagol from a place of, I don't think it comes from a benevolent place or a well, compassionate place. No, it's not. That, it's, that's what I mean. Like it's, uh, but it does come from a place of just like 
don't forget like what I know. Right. And it's it's such a bigger It's blackmail. It's emotional blackmail. Right. Which to me is not like I mean, you can only blackmail someone if you have power over them. I no. Not necessarily. You because can... the act of blackmail, if you're susceptible to it, that person has power over you. Well, yeah, but I that, mean that is a place of power. Again. <laughs> your definition of power differs greatly from mine. Um, but Frodo, quote unquote, like frees Smeagol briefly from the influence of the ring by falling more under the influence of the ring. I mean, maybe like it that moment to me, like it is muddy. It definitely is muddy. But because his act is something that also like shatters some of the influence of the wing of the wing sacrifices some of the influence that the ring has over Gollum and like separates him from the ring a little bit. Yeah. But that moment is also good for Frodo to do that. It helps him keep going just a little bit longer because it shows that the ring can be resisted even after how much Gollum has been twisted. But it's it comes from a place of selfishness. It does come from a place of selfishness. That, like, that's not... I mean, would you say that Gollum doesn't have power over Frodo because he's selfish? I wouldn't use the word power. What word would you use? I would use influence. I don't know. I... I don't know. I've always thought that those two words are somewhat synonymous. Yeah, I know, because you're a guy. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose that's fair. Uh, I would like to hear from our listeners on this point. Me too. I'm I'm really interested in, like, more of this sort of a discussion. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like, just thinking of it from, like, a... I lost my train of thought there. That's fine. No worries. Fell right out of my head. Speaking of listener input you can go to our facebook listener group which is fellowship of the mic and contribute to this discussion and you can also find us on apple podcasts where you should leave us a five-star review if you're feeling so inclined or wherever you get your podcasts Mm. hope everyone is having a great thursday and we'll be back tomorrow with minute 50 bye